0: A new holiday was born! A Festivus for the rest of us! (laughs) And at the Festivus dinner, you gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. And is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. Requires Uh no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. (laughs) It's a Festivus miracle! (laughs) Welcome
1: newcomers.
0: (laughs) The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. (laughs) I got a lot of problems with you people. (laughs) Now, you're gonna hear about it.
2: It needs all the things. Give it all the things. Oh, perfect, you nailed it. You, you can't, can't bend physics, physics, but you can lose right better, software.
0: And you're doing MPLS changes or BUP changes? May, may God be with you, right?
3: I, I always feel like I'm just a little fish in a sea of big fish. I've got a nest in six-node Nissan.
4: Oh, uh-huh. Guys, people, you know, quite often think that they don't have anything to bring to
2: the table when they absolutely do. Everybody should. Anybody in IT that skips the phone stuff it just hasn't earned it.
5: Okay, I lied. I have one more question. On demand.
2: Correct.
3: Welcome to Gigacast episode 24 for Sunday, December 9th, 2018. I'm Britton Johnson, live to tape from the Gigacast headquarters.
5: And broadcasting live from my home lab, I'm Tony Reeves. Happy December, Tony. How are you?
3: Doing good. Staying busy. I'm back to work now. So. Oh, you poor guy. Six weeks yeah. of parent, new parent leave is done just like that. It went by quick, man. I tell you that. So what all did you accomplish w- with all of this massive amounts of time you had at your hands?
5: Well, I uh, I did a bunch of stuff. I did a bunch of cleanup, a lot of organizing, got a lot of projects done, of course, helped out with the uh, with the kids and got to take my son to school at, almost every day. So that was cool. And nice. I, I built the Lego GT3 RS. That so was pretty cool.
3: Yeah, I saw that. Was that like uh, one of those Technic builds or? I'm not a Lego guy, so I really don't know what they are.
5: It's pretty cool. It has, you know, shifting transmission, pistons that move through the engine, working steering. It's, It's pretty detailed. Nice. All right. Well,
3: that's fun. So it's because we do these once a month... Um, my brilliant idea, maybe maybe after today we'll find out if it's brilliant or not, um, <laughs> was to invite some of our actual listeners to talk to us today and see if, what they have to share with us about what we do here and what they do. And let's learn about them and they can help us and we can help them. And, you know, it'll just be a good family episode. So, yeah, it should be a good time. So we have, if you're watching video later, um, we have on our roster of panel, esteemed panelists. um, Top to bottom is, of course, Tony, how are you? We were ready to talk to you, so we know who you are. There's me. And then our another fellow Wisconsinite, Mr. Donnie Lang, how are you?
6: Hey, good. How are you guys? Thanks for having
3: me. No problem. Where in Wisconsin are you?
6: I live in Appleton, work in De Pere, which is about 20 minutes north of Appleton.
3: Ah, uh, De Pere, yes. I have fond memories of De Pere. We'll talk about that <laughs> later, though. So, what, what exactly do you do? Who do you work for? Are you allowed to say? Are you working for a quasi-government shadow agency so you can't say anything? Or Nothing
6: quite that secretive. Oh. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm Donnie Lang. I work as a senior infrastructure engineer for um, NSITE. Uh, so, they are a regional telecommunications provider in northeast Wisconsin, and up Michigan. Cool. Uh, do a little bit of everything. Uh, compute, storage, virtualization, networking, security,
3: wear a lot of hats. Awesome. You are our target audience. Thank you for listening. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and a fellow Wisconsin VMUG uh, board member with me. Yeah.
3: Yes. You have close ties to the family here. So thank you. Uh, Mr. Tony G. Gonzo, how are you, sir?
0: I am well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
3: So, I'm happy to be here. You are in the wonderful state of Colorado.
0: I am. I am in Denver in proper or where are you? No, I, I live in Aurora, about 20 minutes southeast of Denver. Okay. It, it's basically one of the, well, actually the biggest metropolitan city in is, Denver.
3: Is it as cool as the Aurora, Illinois from Wayne's world? Yeah. You know what? I've never seen the Aurora, <laughs> Illinois from Wayne's world,
0: <laughs> only in Wayne's world. So no, I want to say no.
3: I've actually been to Aurora, Illinois, and that car thing where all these cars are stacked up on a post is actually real. Oh, interesting. Nice. Fun. Thanks for joining us, Mr. Gonzo. Because we already have a Tony, we're going to probably refer to this Tony as Gonzo. And you can can give us at some point um, your feedback on what it was like to room with Tony at VMworld. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sure. In the center of the box, the the man the main man of the hour, Mr. Nate. How are you, sir?
7: Uh I'm good. Thanks for having having me,
3: guys. Yeah. So Nate, who are you? What do you do?
7: Uh my name's Nate Hudson. I am a uh, senior solutions engineer at uh, VMware. Nice. Living in, live, live in Brown Deer, a uh, suburb of the lovely Milwaukee metro area.
3: I bought a car in Brown Deer once. That's about the only thing I have time eat a brown deer, but <laughs> that's about it. Thank you for joining us, Nate. Matt, how do you say your last name? Langeth. Langeth. that sounds like a serious last name. Is it Scottish or Irish, or what is it? It is Northern German. Oh, neither, neither. man, I was way off.
1: (laughs) Um, And you hail from? Central Pennsylvania. I'm about an hour south of Penn State University. Okay. So State College now if i recall correctly you work for a company that does truck accessories yes i'm a small regional manufacturer that makes truck accessories so i'm an information systems manager for that manufacturer wow
3: i don't know It just all all, all the different industries that everybody and you know comes from it just fascinates me that you know this is what we all do for a living and this is the broad spectrum of stuff that we support so it's just fun i and see you got wally in the background there
1: yes i see that too that's a very interesting. did you build that wally or where did that cool. come from that wally came from japan and he's a good office mascot
5: is he like robotic or controlled or remote control or anything like that or just rc rc
3: nice wow so he actually does things he does cool demo if, if we run out of things to talk about <laughs> maybe you can give us a demo yeah And of course, the guy chiming in on that was Mr. Al Rashid, the famous Al Rashid. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for bailing on me this morning and then joining at the last minute. That you know, I appreciate it. Actually, we should say thank you to your wife (laughs) so that you could be here.
4: Yes, she's a trooper. I will. I will have her listen to this when it's available on podcast. So, Al, I, kno-
3: <laughs> I know roughly who you are, but I don't actually know what you do. So what are we, can you give me any 411? But I, I know you work in Virginia, so you might actually work for a quasi-shadow government agency that you can't tell me anything
4: about. <laughs> I do. So I'm, I'm a systems administrator for a federal contractor here in the D.C. area. I'm actually in northern Virginia, which is about 25 miles from D.C. So you might
3: actually be under an NDA. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we won't talk about UFOs or anything like that. And last but not least, Mr. Joe Hughes, how are you, sir? Howdy, doing good. So, Joe, you changed jobs recently. Where are you working now?
2: Yeah, I actually uh, just finished week four at uh, Veeam, so I'm now a solutions architect for Veeam Software.
3: Cool. Wow, week four already.
2: Yeah, flew by. All
5: right. I didn't even know you started. That's what happens when I'm in the parental leave bubble. (laughs)
2: yeah i had internal people that didn't realize i was there for about two weeks and then started sending all kinds of uh help requests
3: nice (laughs) all right cool well maybe we can talk more about that later too okay so it's gonna be pretty loose i think um tony do you have anything you want to start off with immediately or do you have or do you want to just pick something random out of the hat um
5: who was recently to reinvent that's looks like that's on the topic list here
3: did anybody go to reinvent
5: is anybody there in our panel
3: no bummer negative well nate you were you were the guy who was excited about it so give us your one or two things that you thought was exciting
7: so I know I've been a little bit, you know, even as a VMware employee, I've been a little bit, a little bit skeptic on the whole, any cloud, any app, any device kind of technical marketing stuff that we have at VMware. Um, I think one of the things that was noticeable at VMworld this year, the announcement of, you know, bringing in, bringing in a RDS database, you know, native from, from AWS back on-prem, I think now, in my mind, after learning more about the announcements made around AWS, uh, outposts uh, one running a Cloud Foundation footprint, another one running a kind of a EC2 on Cloud Foundation footprint uh, for customers that are uh, truly trying to find ways of building that that hybrid cloud environment. You pick your you you pick your poison now. Do you want a VMware friendly hypervisor, or do you want a native EC2 hypervisor that just shows up as a you know, another availability zone that, that resides in your data center. Um, I know a lot of my customers have been asking about things like, uh, hey, I want uh, vCenter as a service, or I want, uh, I want hardware as a service. Make it easier for me to be able to just you know, like not have to deal with, you know, racking and stacking and managing the lifecycle right, of my, right. my hybrid cloud. So here's, here's your kind of easy button imagine like something crazy, like going into AWS console and saying, I'd like to order up a rack of hardware. Somebody shows up with a a rack of, you know, super micron white box hardware in your data center. And all you do is plug it in and plug it into the network and plug it into power. And suddenly it checks back in and you've got a, uh, a new availability zone that shows up in AWS in your portal.
3: I didn't do a lot of reading on this outpost thing where they put supposedly Amazon hardware in your data center. Um, but everything I know about Amazon hardware is it's A it's not super micro stuff it's all spec'd to their own manufacturer specifications and so they ship it from somebody in China probably who makes it for them Yeah, and it's yeah. all custom so mm. I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical on how it's going to work and I'm skeptical that it's going to be cheap. I don't think it's going to be cheap. I think it's going to be more expensive than, than if you like, even with, if you went like with VxRail or something like that.
7: Yeah. I mean, when you when you think about like some of the stuff that was announced at VMworld, uh, they talked a little bit about like product product or project dimension yeah. as an example. And that's really the, hey, I, I just need somebody to, you know, drop ship some, some hardware out, at, out to an edge site someplace. I have no IT staff there to be able to manage it. Just need somebody there to plug it in, and then it checks in, and you know, VMware manages it for me from a vCenter and from a lifecycle standpoint. I think uh, customers that have been, I think I, I I understand the strategy. I understand what AWS is 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 doing here because they 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 want to do kind of what VMware has been talking about doing for quite a while here, and, ha- and providing like an actual hybrid cloud platform that you can use. They really didn't have a hybrid cloud platform, but they understood, you know, be, besides customers really, you know, loving what AWS can provide on native EC2 instance, it, it, there are use cases where workloads need to reside close to where where the data is. Right, you know, right. Like the customer that mainframes, you know, running in their data center, they have some legacy hardware. And I think Pat Gelsinger's even said that, you know, another, you know, seven to 10 years down the road, there still will be probably a small, footprint of physical hardware running in the data center someplace that
3: won't ever right. get. I don't, I don't think we'll ever get away from on prem hardware completely. Matt, Matt, yeah. if I recall correctly, Matt, you almost had a slightly conspiratorial view of what AWS output is, is going to be.
1: Well, I won't go as far as conspiratorial, but I will say it makes sense if you would look at it from a OpEx expenditure of, let's say that they come, and I haven't seen pricing announced. So, let's say it's, you know, a $1,000 a month or $10,000 a month. But if you take the analogy that outpost will be a on-prem backup for AWS, where those wouldn't be necessarily running production instances, what are you going to do with the excess mem and compute? I see. So if you can, um, sell those services or that capacity, if you will, back to Amazon. And then Amazon now has multiple points of DR and expanding out their data center footprint. See and, so, and I read I
3: I read what you said about that as though is AWS Outpost gonna be a long term DR and expansion strategy for Amazon as though as though Amazon is going to use that hardware to run other customers workloads in your data center oh like without telling you <laughs> yeah <laughs> ah, which is why i say quasi conspiratorial because it's yeah. like oh yeah here we'll put this stuff you guys just do all those you know you build the buildings for us we'll
1: just run our stuff wherever we want like you don't have it's control over it with micro segmentation but it could also be well what level of discount do you will you well, exactly um, accept? Exactly. And if you're willing to
3: allow that, you know, I don't I don't know of a lot of companies that might be open to that, but you know, if you get a rack of hardware that you could only use 50% of the capacity and you can lease out the other 50% back to Amazon,
5: I think from an opex standpoint that would make sense, but I don't think from a security standpoint um not a high not a lot of VPs and directors are going to understand the microseg part and they're going to I think they're going to have security questions on that side.
1: Well, I would agree with that too. But if it gets to the point of the discount makes enough sense, if it's sixty, seventy, eighty percent off of what the normal monthly cost is going to be, they'll get past the security concerns as long as it can be proven. Well, and but I
3: could I could see Amazon requiring a certain prerequisite of building structure to do that kind of stuff too. I mean, you're not going to just have somebody put this in their garage and, yeah. you know, away you go. So, Well, because at that point, even connectivity to your data
2: center is something that Amazon is slightly reliable for to that other customer. Correct.
5: And the, there's other questions along like bandwidth. I mean, you're paying for the bandwidth and the other people are using it. That could be a little questionable there too.
3: It is interesting though. Like one one of my customers owns a building downtown Madison that is classified as a carrier hotel. Um, There are probably about 100 different ISPs in this building. Um, And they could easily house one of these units and give it multiple, you know, connection points. And away they go. So, I mean, if if, if Amazon was looking to spread its footprint into different facilities like that, I mean, that's even another way they could do it. It's just lease a rack somewhere and put some stuff in small towns
5: yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they go with it.
3: Yeah. All right. Li- listener feedback time, Tony, go with your question. So my
5: question is for Al Al, you've been one of our longest listeners and uh, one of the first people to reach out to us when we started this podcast. So couple questions for you, actually, we're going to split this out. I'll give you one. And I'll give one to somebody else. Um, what can we do to make the show better?
4: Um, to be honest with you, I enjoy the show. I enjoy the various topics that you have, the uh, hosts and then the guests that you include. I think I'm not just you know saying this for the sake of saying. I think you guys do a good job at what you're doing. Um, anything always you know there's always ways to improve it.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: But um, overall, I think the, the content, the quality is fine by me.
3: Yeah. We, we didn't invite you guys on just so you could make us feel really good about ourselves, but <laughs>
4: yeah,
3: I do appreciate that to feedback too. So, yeah.
4: <laughs> no, I'll be, I'll, like I said, I'll be honest with you, but to this point, I, I overall, I love it. Uh, you guys know, I, when I can't listen live or watch live, I'll catch you on the podcast later. Um, uh, so yeah, I think you guys are doing a great job and it takes a lot of credit to do what you do as well.
5: Well, we appreciate that now. Huh? Um, sure. let's see, let's go to Matt. How have we helped?
1: This is one of my top listens. It's always consistently at of the virtualization space that's out there. It seems like the, the hot topic, and at least within the last 18 months, is let's do a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so the space is cluttered right now, but you guys really stand out at the top, um, especially the amount of work and time and effort you put into it. I would ask of what do you guys have planned for 2019? What, what do you see yourselves doing? What's your top three things that you want to take it to the next level
3: well f- first of all matt if you think we put in a ton of time oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> then i'm i don't know what i'm doing but
5: we, we put the time in to do scheduling uh that's there's not a ton there um yeah we're I mean, fortunate to be really both really plugged into the v expert community yeah. we had a lot of options probably the yeah.
3: most- probably the most amount of time that I do on this thing is post editing the shows a little bit and pu- uploading it and publishing it. I mean, that takes probably more time than actually doing the recording, but
4: actually, I, do, I do have one comment or question. Yeah, sure. Cause I know Britain, you were the NSX roving reporter at VMworld and you did yes. a good job. Thank you. Have you guys considered doing a podcast on premise on location? Um, uh, the only thing we did that was close to that
5: is I was in flight on my way back from VMworld, and we did a live from the airport. Yeah.
3: And um, I, I did a one-off interview with VMware employee Patrick Kramer at the Chicago UserCon. The, that kind of stuff is hard to do in this format, so that's why I have the YouTube channel. Um, you know, A, so I can post the video from these sessions, but if I do a little one-offs, I pretty much just put them on the YouTube channel and I don't really... Feed the audio back into the audio stream. Um, mm-hmm. That is maybe something we could do in the future, but um, I don't know. Well, we, we did our VMWorld daily recaps. Yeah, well and, as then, well, and that's all stuff on the YouTube channel. So follow the YouTube channel if you haven't already, because there's, there's other stuff out there besides what we just do on the audio-only channels. But Matt, to your question again, you know, like, what are we going to do for 2019? Um, I mean i between tony and i the contacts we made at VMWorld last and everywhere else i think if we stick to this once a month schedule i pretty much easily have the whole year booked um the i I just confirmed before the show tonight um for the first time my brother heath is going to join us and talk about cloud foundation in january um his uh, associate um Kevin T-Bear. Thank T-Bear. you. I <laughs> think I was going to kill me for that. He lives right around the corner from me. <laughs> <laughs> so T- Kevin T-Bear and him, either either Kev- him and Kevin or just Heath, one of the two, will join us and we'll talk about all about Cloud Foundation because, like, especially after the, all the stuff that came out at AWS reInvent, it seems like Cloud Foundation was just, like, the thing that all of a sudden happened. So, so that's January. You know, it's one of these things where if I had more time, I would do more of these episodes, but it's so hard to get, you know, two hours like this and get people on a schedule and have it happen and, you know, not have your wife mad at you because you're away on a Sunday night or a Saturday or a Friday or whenever you're doing it. So, yeah, so I would love to do more, but it's just not in the cards yet. So. So in terms of where we're going, you know, Tony and I kind of stumbled into this format of talking to a guest and getting in deep on one specific topic that the guest is good at. Um, I mean, for the if if anybody listened back to the first couple episodes, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> those first couple episodes were just Tony and I going back and forth about stuff. Um, I mean, it it was okay but you know cool. we we both realized we hit this the, the ceiling of what we can talk to each other about pretty quickly <laughs> yeah. so it helps it helps to have a third party and and that's part of this whole like at that point i was just kind of getting connected into this v community thing myself and so i like i didn't have all the contacts that tony had and so i didn't know how to pull you people in just we can talk to you And I didn't really know that anybody would actually be that interested to talk to us because who are we? We're just a couple of schmoes from Wisconsin.
7: Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) So, you know, so the, the fact that you have found, you know, knowledge or anything entertaining or whatever from us, I'm, I'm grateful for that. So.
5: Yeah. And one thing that we try to do, as Brenton already mentioned, we tried to grow the format and get guests and experts in specific topics. Uh, But the other thing we, we got some advice on from, britain i think that was cody uh that that advised us to start doing video uh we could connect with more people that way and um show them what we look like and and get a little more interactive one thing that i would like to see us do at some point and i don't know if there's a way to tie it into zoom or some other way to do it is some sort of a a live broadcast where people could watch live right i don't don't know that's something we can do immediately but that's something that's kind of on the the radar as I, well.
3: I looked at it briefly there is a way to do it but it costs 45 bucks a month um so i have never asked anybody for money to do the show i don't really want to necessarily do that but I, you know and i, I almost I, f- I kind of felt like until we had a big enough audience to make it worthwhile i didn't want to invest it um but by all means if somebody wants to sponsor the show and re- sponsor our live broadcast say an yeah
5: Or if there's some way to do it reliably free. We'd be open to that, too.
3: That I have not seen. But... Yeah. Alright. Let's jump back to more technical stuff. We'll kind of bounce it through this a little bit. (laughs) Um, All Alright. So... Gonzo, you had talked about... Being interested in this VMware on ARM thing. Mm-hmm. Why is this exciting right. to you? Because you can really not very, as far as I can see, you can't do much with this stuff yet. So what, where where do you see this going?
0: Well, well what I thought was pretty interesting is just what the technology can do. Uh, not something that I didn't see any dates in, in the VMworld announcement that I thought were like, oh, you know what, VMware is doing something. But in, in that regard, what I'm excited about VMware, why am I? i'm excited about vmware on arm it's just all the edge devices that they're talking about the um because right now arm is pretty much on like mobile devices edge devices such as servers routers especially in that realm i thought it was interesting because um especially like when you your system admins like they say like out they're out there patching making uh, updating software on these edge devices and uh, just like what we do with servers, we compute we can virtualize it we can just basically test that patch out or that firmware upgrade, and if it foolbars anything, we can roll that back with with these edge devices i mean there 's really no way of doing that you kind of pray and hope you have a your your v r strategy is pretty solid because if if that 's out i mean that node if that node doesn 't come back up, then all your other nodes are are offline and that 's what I thought it was pretty interesting um Hopefully, they get, they, they get a timeline here soon. But I, f- I figured that would
3: be interesting. Anybody else want to chime in on this?
1: I'll take a stab at it. I think it would be interesting long-term if you look at three to five years of... Imagine if there was a model where you would have the equivalent of a Cisco ISR where it's just a gray box where you have mem compute and storage, but then take what is now the cloud foundation suite and call it cloud foundation edge. So if you wanted to deploy out, depending on where your licensing's at, you have um, NSX, vSAN, whatever else that you would want to deploy within the suite, all within one box. And then the, the what's, what feature set that you would be able to deploy would be based on the licensing. And within vSAN, that you could use from another branch office, one of these other d- devices to act as your um, either a peer mirror or um, to provide quorum between the, the other devices. And do it at low power consumption. Uh, run a, a witness
0: appliance, right? On a Raspberry right. or something. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that's what came immediately to
6: mind for me too, like especially for, you know, large scale where people have a large number of distributed sites, being able to drive those power consumption costs down could be a huge benefit over x86.
3: I don't know. I mean, I, I still come back to... There's not a lot of RAM typically in these things. And, you know, as as much as people want to get away from running Windows VMs, there's still going to be some requirements for that so i don't know that's just been what i've seen even on some of the enterprise projects i'm involved in where yeah these guys are tied to legacy applications that run in windows and you know somebody built it 20 years ago and now there's basically key keepers today who run these applications and they don't even know how they're built they're they're just tasked with keeping them running
1: so so this is just going to be edge services at that point it's not going to be you know your high-end dbs um, basic print services maybe some local file storage it would be stuff that would work well within serverless applications that wouldn't take a lot of compute mem or just it's developed data collection, well.
2: yeah data collection and processing from from localized sensors and places where you don't necessarily have to have super reliable power
3: and cooling and stuff I guess absolutely thing, Joe. I, I guess the one thing I can see from like a dr perspective is, Utilizing this as like a staging infrastructure for DR, so if you didn't need a whole lot of resources just to, you know, replicate data from one place one, from one site to the other, you know, you could have your ESXi hosts on ARM hooked up somehow or another to some sort of a storage device or use Veeam or Zerto or whatever, um, so that you can at least have your data in another place and then at such point that you want to spin up actual machine, you know, big beefy servers to run at stuff in a DR scenario, then you could do that. Because I I mean, I've been on projects now where that's part of the deal is they spin up all this iron, but it's never actually getting used for anything except for syncing data, which is kind of a big waste.
5: And I think the, the platform is going to grow too. I saw some people complaining about, you know, what's the point of this? There's 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 no RAM on a Pi. There's, you know, there's hardly anything in there. And Duncan Epping made some interesting observations and replies to that on Twitter. And he said that um, it's, it's more about the engineering effort to get ESXi to run on 512 megabytes of RAM. So it's an efficiency thing. It's a proof of concept at this point. And then the other point that he made is that there's going to be devices in the future that are going to be running ARM that are going to have more memory available than, than just a Pi. That's just kind of a, an example scenario right now of running uh, a witness host on a Raspberry Pi. But I think the more it gets developed, the more hardware comes out. I think there's going to be some viable options for it. I think it's going to be pretty exciting.
2: Well, and even just having the availability to have like nano and micro data centers that live you know, spread out throughout a city where like the city can run this anywhere they've they've got power and network so you know you've got compute even at a small scale that's within like a millisecond of latency anywhere in the city for anything they've got connected
6: and i thought like cell sites for 5g initiatives would be an interesting use case too like yeah uh, oh yeah a lot a lot more data and getting it close to that cell site is important
2: yeah well, and I know like I mean having having spoken to a couple of people about some really off the wall projects that they were thinking of uh, of having this as as a platform that would use it, you know it's it's even doing stuff like where they go uh, fly drones around to do offsite surveys for uh, oil rigs and stuff that are out on the seas. you know they can now fly around a cluster of compute that's there that can start crunching data like while the thing is still in flight and then doesn't have to transmit a lot of. Uh, a lot of data back over the little miniature bandwidth that's going to have on like a 4G access point that it's flying around.
3: So so really this is just helping the machines take over. <laughs> right. Is what you're telling
2: Sky me. Yeah. Making Skynet a reality.
3: Yeah, great. Flying
2: data centers of the future. <laughs> In a small form factor. <laughs> right. I,
3: I
5: for one welcome our new robot overlords. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you just want to be the first one to say that,
3: huh? <laughs>
5: hey that's a quote i've seen tossed around many many times on see, twitter
3: see that, that's where we should have tim davis on this show because he's just all in oh, for all oh of man. that stuff yeah but
7: eh, he's
5: been on the show like two or three times already
3: we are gonna block him for a little while
7: <laughs> all right um
5: so one thing this is not a technical topic but there's several people on this call that are going to the VMUG Leader Summit. So let's talk about that a little bit. What are you guys excited about seeing and, and looking forward to out in Palo Alto in February? And Joe, this one's going to start out with you, and then we'll go to who any, anybody else who wants to respond.
2: Uh, okay. So this will be my, my return trip out there. I made it out for the Leader Summit in December last year. Um, and nice. this time, I should actually be able to get out there with my uh, co-leader as well. So that should be good. Um, but honestly, we're, we're trying to get insight from the like very well-versed, very experienced VMUG leaders that we have, uh, as to try to get our chapter like off the ground again, because unfortunately Austin's just been really amazingly slow for a couple of years, Um, given as big as Austin is for, for tech site and everything, the, the VMUG, um, presence has been really lacking for a few years now. So we're. We unfortunately didn't make anywhere near as much headway as we thought we would getting it back up and running off the ground again. Um, And yeah, seeing stuff like you know Matt Heldstab doing his Super V mug, where you know all by himself he draws in like 120 plus people for a regular uh, quarterly. Yeah, he, he does good with that. Yeah, we're we're hoping to get any uh, any ideas and any advantages we can of
4: everybody else. Awesome, Al, you're going right. I am, and for the same reasons that Joe just mentioned, um, the DC uh, VMUG chapter has, uh, has been struggling to uh, get consistent uh, attendees. Our most recent meeting had about mm, 30 people. The room can seat up to 48. Unfortunately, we had some snow uh, in the area that morning. Uh, we, actually, we, we had some good speakers uh, <coughs> presenting, one of which was Jad El Zane. Uh, He went on for about two hours. It was fantastic. (laughs) But our biggest challenge has been just getting people to come out consistently. Um, Our location is fabulous. Uh, The folks at the uh, VMware office allow us to use their space. So that allows our um, sponsors to save some money on location. Uh, It's my understanding all they have to uh, pay up front for is the um, catering. But as Joe mentioned, my, my goal is when I'm out there and this will be my first one uh, attending uh, is to get some ideas from others, um, see what's working for them and hopefully build upon it.
5: Yeah. And that's, that's, I'm going for Wisconsin. And this is one thing that I'm looking forward to is just having some dedicated time with other leaders and seeing what works, what doesn't. And uh, Wisconsin Mug's doing really good, but I want to keep it that way. (laughs) So get some ideas of new things to try and help build our membership and keep it going strong. Tony, are you going?
0: Yes, I, I am going. It'll also be my first time. Uh, I've never been to the VMware campus. Funny thing is that I'm from Northern California, and I never even bothered to go to Palo Alto <laughs> originally. So, and now I'll be going. Uh, but I'm. I I actually want to go for the same reasons the, um Al and Joe said because I, I just want to uh, touch bases. You know, kind of share ideas, brainstorm with other leaders, um, mm-hmm. how to get you know rich technical content because that's what we want to do. I mean. I'm very passionate about that. Uh, We just kind of, we just wrapped up our last VMUG for the year um, on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, and we talked about the hybrid cloud. Uh, And it looks like this location we were were in this this past Wednesday might be our permanent uh, Denver North area. So but we try to do is like, like, because the metro area is, is just so big here, we try to blanket each side, so North, middle, and then South. So just to touch bases, It'll be great to kind of hang out with you, with with Joe and Alan, for those leaders that are going as well, and introduce myself to them.
5: Anybody else going? I'm headed out. Are you, Matt? Yes. Thought you might be. What are you looking forward to? Is this your first time?
1: This will be my first time. It'll also be my first time out to the campus. So really excited about that. Um, One of the things I have only because it's been a topic of our membership is what's going to be done to um, improve the email situation and that's the correspondence to members um, where right now um, it's a little bit over the top to the point where we're getting some or for a normal meeting um, because there's so much auxiliary communications um, that members are unsubscribing so they're not getting meeting notifications. So. HQ is a promise back to leadership, and I'm sure that you guys have seen this, that uh, some things are in the works um, within Q1 of 19 to make some changes to that and really looking forward to see what's going to be implemented and how that's going to all come about.
5: Yeah, kind of a funny story around that. I, just like any other member, I've been getting too many emails myself, and I ended up unsubscribing the way that the backend systems are working, it's it can't be separated from the uh, the VMUG leader summit communication. So I unsubscribed from that because I was getting like three, four five emails a day. I'm like, okay, this is enough. <laughs> and then they're like, well, didn't you get your invite? And I'm like, no, we, we show you're unsubscribed in the system. I go, yeah, because you're sending me too many emails. Well, unfortunately right now we can't separate that out. We're working on it that must be part of the changes that you're talking about are coming maybe next year, but unsubscribing from that unsubscribing from leader summit, uh, information as well, which is unfortunate.
1: (laughs) There needs to be a balance. Um, and I think everyone's aware of that at this point and hopefully some changes are going to be made. So it's 2018,
3: almost 2019. We still don't know how to do email. Great. (laughs) Yep. Alright, so so I think Nate, is it just pretty much just you and me not going?
7: Uh yeah, I'm at, I, I I might be out to Palo Alto, but it won't be it it will be something different around that time frame.
3: I'm oh, I'm you, just a lowly VMUG member, so I'm not I'm not even in leadership.
2: Well that's okay because now they're opening up new communities, so you too can be a part of this. Ooh. You can get volunteered for everything. <laughs> you guys <laughs> yeah. have a farm.
3: Voluntold Hell, campus
4: nice. maybe. Voluntold, you beat me to it?
3: Yeah. So, there's a thing that happens out east um called the virtualization technology user group. And I am I don't I've, I'm I'm angling to figure out a way that I can get to it just because I'm curious to see how they run this thing. Um I've heard good good feedback about it. I know guys like chris williams out east and um sean thulin are involved with it um so i I know they just scheduled their big meeting in january they do it at uh the patriots stadium so al do you know anything about this
4: no i I know it's very successful they have a huge following a ton of people show up uh, and i've heard nothing but wonderful things about it i hope i'm not butchering his name clint Wycloff.
3: Right, um,
4: I believe he works for AWS now, but yeah, he used he, to be a DM. Uh, yep, yeah, he uh, recently he went to the last one, and he and I, he and I chatted via DM, and he said nothing but great things. It was a wonderful experience, and he recommends everybody should attend it if possible.
2: Oh yeah, yeah,
5: yeah I've heard a lot of good stuff about it.
2: I was so. going to try and go. Unfortunately, it's the same week as sales kickoff for us, so I was going to go hang out with Frapp and uh, Luigi.
3: <clears throat> yeah after being in boston in april I, I'm, I'm jonesing to go back because it's such a nice place but yeah, let's see go back
5: you let me know i've always wanted to go
3: yeah well it, i think the the event i think it's like it's like end of january so it's like next week
2: yeah it's january basically. 24th
3: yeah so we'll see but <clears throat> it'll be a, a last minute thing if it happens for me but and I would just be going just to check it out because I've 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 been to a lot of user cons now. I've been to a couple. I've been to a few VM worlds, and I don't know. I mean, it's I understand that you know the name of the game for a lot of these things is to sell people stuff and to get your content in front of somebody so that somebody can actually buy it. Um, and and you know the the conversion rates on these kind of things is probably relatively higher. They wouldn't do them at all. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm I, the 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 big complaint I've always heard from people about V mugs or any kind of user group thing is it's too salesy. Um, <laughs> but you know, you can't have a free lunch without a sales pitch. So I don't know how you it's get away in- from that.
4: It's interesting that you say that because I don't get that feeling from our events. Really? Yeah. But we, we, myself and my fellow leaders, we preach that message to the sponsors and the speakers, you know, who, <laughs> there's a little bit of leeway. We'll give you a couple minutes, you know, as a sales pitch, but 99% of it has to be a technical deep dive. And they, they have an understanding. They're not, there's no issues with that.
0: Right. I agree. We, we try to basically say that ourselves too, with our sponsors as well, you know, try to minimize the sales pitch and just talk about the content. How does your platform work? How does it bring value to us?
3: but that but that's the hard point to hit though it's hard to really provide value for themselves if they're mm-hmm. not actively promoting promoting and pitching their product which if they're doing it right should also provide value to the to the viewer of you know this is a problem we can solve for you so it's so
2: well, some of it depends on the on the scale for the vendor though cuz there there's there are quite a few vendors that have have told me that for sponsoring events, you know, they're really expecting to get like one solid lead out of doing an event and they're willing to drop a couple thousand dollars to, to have that one deal potentially come through from it. So if they're thinking about it the right way, you know, they can present to everybody and they don't have to force the sales pitch down everybody's throat. You know, if they do some good technical content, if they've got good representation by their account guys or their SEs or whoever they sent on site and they just, you know, start a good relationship with somebody, then they're probably going to get some good results out of that without right. having to, to do it as a sales pitch and turn everybody off from that. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what the like, cost of customer
6: acquisition is for like a VMware or Veeam or something like that as it compares to the cost of sponsoring a VMUG event. You know, if a couple grand is really cheap for them to get, like you said, that one good lead, then, you know, it's a good, good business move for them to, to sponsor it because they might potentially acquire a customer for much cheaper than they would otherwise have to spend to acquire one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot better for them than than cold calling around town or something like that, because right. they're, they're getting people that are technical that already know a little bit about the community and are going to have a broad base of other people to talk to about it that are either, you know, current customers, potential customers, even past customers, somebody that's moved off of a platform possibly, and they can get some good feedback. So, you know, they've, they typically get a get a customer that's much more primed to mm. hear about their platform than somebody that just, you know, got cold called. Right. Yeah, definitely. Their,
3: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. How well? Go ahead, Tony. Sorry.
5: And that's the thing. It's got to be decent con- uh, technical content. And I don't mind a little bit of sales in there as long as it's relevant. Uh, but the thing that really turns me off when I'm uh, in one of those presentations is when they start knocking their competitors it's like we didn't we didn't come here to hear about your competitors and what you're doing better and what they're doing wrong. We're here to hear about your solution and provide good technical content, and then we'll be good. Right. Yeah, you I can see. speak
4: on behalf of DCVMUG. I actually have a, a word document that kind of details what our expectations of are the, of them,
0: mm-hmm. and,
4: and and they're welcome to ask us questions if they have any. Um, but since I've been one of the leaders for a little bit over a year now, we've had four events since then. It's been re- relatively smooth. Uh, the content's been fine, and we haven't really had any issues in terms of sales pitch. And just going back to what I said earlier, our biggest asset is the to use the VMware Rest and the, the space at the uh, VMware Rest in Office. Nice. It's consistent. I don't have to hunt for some location, track down the cost. It's just, it's been such a blessing. I can't emphasize it enough.
3: Nate, you talk at a lot of VMV meetings and you you give a lot of presentations on topics from a presenter point of view. What are you getting from feedback about p- talks that you give? And when people are going to these things, are they enjoying it? Are they saying it should be something else?
7: I think that's part of the challenge, um, with, with the, the VMUG organization as a whole, um, And part of the challenge, I think, is that you have such a different, such a large variation of uh, attendees. So you'll have some guys that that work for like a very small commercial business. You know, I only have four vSphere hosts or something like that versus you might have like a handful of guys in there that work for a fortune 500 company. So, you know, trying to cater content that spans that the different variations of, of users attending the user groups, I think, is the biggest challenge. Is the feedback that, that I've received in the past is great. Nate's coming in and he's talking about you know what VMware can do, and he's going to talk about this this suite of product, this that, or the other thing, but it doesn't apply to me because I'm just a small little shop and I only run vSphere, so I'm never going to put automation or orchestration in. You know, I'll never put in an operations platform. I'm I'm never going to go to the cloud. So a lot of the stuff that we talk about in the Vmugs we really have to we we have to figure out ways of being able to 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 cater with topics that will interest all different audiences. I know in the past I've 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 been asked to uh, present at Vmugs and kind of bring content in that would make sense even more to some of the smaller commercial Organizations just to be able to give a little bit different variation of what most of the content that's that's spoken at at VMugs is catered towards more larger companies.
3: Yeah, it's really challenging. I mean, yeah, even the couple of VMug talks that I've done, um, you know, I've I've because the most majority of my customers are small businesses, and that's generally where I fit. um, You know, I try to kind of like approach. My solutions from that angle and you know like and it's it's tough i mean like i built a whole presentation about how to build your own cloud data center and ovh and do it for a few hundred bucks a month um and i mean it took me three months just to figure out how to do that and if i wasn't an, an independent consultant i would never have had the time to do it um and it's one of these things of, like, there's there's stuff that's coming in the horizon for small companies, and I keep waiting for VMware to open up their licensing just a tad to help them get there. Like, my biggest ask is, why isn't there an NSX Essentials um, that gives you kind of a CPU-capped full version of what NSX Enterprise does, or something to that effect? Um because i could see customers doing it but you know when they have to spend eighty thousand dollars or pay somebody's salary (laughs) a lot of times they're gonna buy the body not the software so yeah so i just killed the mood so i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) you're just keeping it real that's all You know, that's what that's what I try to do. I get on my soapboxes, I complain and everybody seems to agree with me.
4: But Nate brought up a good point. The issues that he described or accommodating, you know, the needs of that group or that locality. It's not something that me personally or I don't think any of my fellow leaders feel is uh, something that we're challenged with because of the proximity to the federal government.
3: So what are you saying also from like a federal government perspective, whatever they want, they just buy or I
4: wouldn't say they buy, but I don't think there's a, they get it. it And I don't think we have to, um, you know, focus on what we think they may be interested in because there's such a wide gamut.
3: Interesting. So a lot of this, I think jumping back into a different suggested topic that's kind of, piling on top of some of this new stuff so there's been a lot of banter lately about vdi and is 2019 the year of the vdi um i my experience with vdi varies a little bit i did um the citrix version of it at one place that i was an employee and that was okay and then i did a pilot for VMware horizon for a customer last year um And it's just kind of been, like, onesie-twosie small stuff. And, you know, it's I think it's... I, 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 I myself, have not seen a very compelling, great use case for VDI. Um, So, Matt, I think you brought this up. So where do you see this going?
1: Well, I think it's best to start with we need to expand the definition of VDI. I mean, is it VDI as we're looking at traditional desktops or are we looking at more now of the whole entire MDM EUC space and what that means and what it means right. for edge compute and edge access.
3: I see. that's, that's another thing. They, they, the VMware I think is confusing the waters a little bit because now everything is workspace one in terms of like airwatch and all this other stuff airwatch horizon at workspace one which was a software layover thing now it's all just sort of this one weird conglomerate um correct me if i'm wrong nate but you know that, that to me is like another kind of area where like it just gets confusing because from a customer perspective if i went in and tried to sell somebody workspace one and then then i start talking about vdi i don't know how do you how do you, how do you, how do you nail that down
1: Building the use case, it's figuring out what makes, um, what's the drive to look at. Or are you looking at just strictly MDM solutions, or are you looking to build out a whole entire path to the app? Is the app be, be able to be replatformed in, in? Is it legacy? Is it brand new? Um, do you need to sandbox it? It's looking at more of what's the best way to deliver the app now, rather than just saying, okay, we're going to put an app on a desktop. And I think that's where the power of the whole entire suite of solutions within VMware as space starts to come to play.
7: Yeah, I would agree with, I would, I would echo that. I think part of the challenge I have and some of the larger customers that I work with have, have gone down this path of, well, we're just going to provide VDI for everyone. And when they actually take the time and they do an evaluation of their, their end user base or their associate base, um the the reality of it is is probably you know 70 70 of the people don't need an actual virtual desktop what they need is they need an application that they can run you know on a phone on a tablet on a computer or whatever to to be able to do their day-to-day job so i think you know kind of redefining what does that mean what is the is vdi dead and being able to determine you know what does VDI actually entail? Because if we're talking, you know, similarities around like if we're just talking published applications and being able to provide that in a common framework across any kind of type of a device, to me, I think there's a big draw for that. But there are still use cases. Examples would be, you know, there's a large motor- motorcycle company that's a customer of mine. and. The Milwaukee area, hint, hint, and uh, you know, one of the challenges they have is they've got a bunch of folks that are over in India, do it, you know, do application development. They do AutoCAD related work, but they can't, you know, ship them a big high-end power machine to do AutoCAD. But right. you know, they can provide them a 3D-enabled desktop in the data center
1: to allow them
7: to build all these AutoCAD files and not have to try to transfer these you know, gigabyte size files across the, across the ocean to be able to get them back into a data center. So, I mean, there are, there are use cases for it. I just don't, I I would say if we're talking full blown virtual desktop, I think we're seeing less and less of that. And we're seeing more of a demand for, I just need an app that I can be able to get to, to be able to do my job with the appropriate security controls and access, you know, on any kind of a device that I'm using
3: right and like the the pilot that i did for a customer was you know was a i guess i would call them a mid-sized insurance company and they where it kind of died because they wanted to do this for their customer service people to build them some vdis and let that be their desktop replacements um where this sort of died in terms of the project is all of a sudden they discovered that there's one you know quote unquote legacy application that these customer service agents have to use, and they use it for entering every single incoming claim that comes from a customer. Um, and this legacy application was built and running on a Windows 2000 VM. And because it's this you know legacy application, they access it via good old-fashioned Windows 2000 terminal services still. Yeah. It doesn't fit inside a modern-day VDI environment. Can't use it. And so in them being able to, you know, they they bought the software back in like 1995 from some company in Canada. And who knows if they are even still in existence. And so for them to basically rebuild their entire customer service entry system in a new product would have cost them who knows how many hundreds of thousands of dollars to develop that software. And so all of a sudden, boop, VDI disappeared. <laughs> and so it's like... You know, And I think that might be one of the biggest barrier to entries for large-scale VDI or even small-scale VDI. Because you have these applications out there that, yeah, they need just one application. That's really all these people needed. But in, in that kind of a sense, all these people really need is a Windows Terminal Server. And so... And I, 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 that was that was my end. That's kind of where I ended the conversation with the customers. I'm like, listen, all you really need to do here is spin up a couple of Windows 2016, you know, remote desktop session hosts, put the application, migrate it to that, kill your Windows 2000 VMs, and you're done. And I and that ended, basically ended my project with them because I'm like, there's nothing else I can do for you because you're not going to rewrite this application. And, and I can see that in mass happening everywhere where there's just apps that just don't work.
1: Well, so let's look at that as an example. So it's now more about how are you going to deliver that RDSH session? How is that going to be deployed? Um, How is that going to scale out? You want to be able to remotely push that out as far as when you're doing um, initial deployments for um, new PCs, we're not doing imaging where you're, you're doing right. something like uh, auto deploy or whatnot. Um, how does that move down the Workspace ONE stack? Um, looking at what you have existing and what the limitations are, but then still deploying that out um, in a secure environment using, you know, Gen 2 deployment tools. Right. And, that, and that's just... You know where, where I
3: exit the conversation because it's you know I'm not an endpoint guy, so but I understand what you're saying. I mean, you still have to get to the app somehow, um, and 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 through the th- through most of this kind of Windows stuff. I mean, you can do you know good old fashioned thin clients, but you know, it gets you a desktop. Mm-hmm. But what does it really even mean for it to be the year of the VDI? Does it mean that all of a sudden it's going to be mainstream? Is that what they're actually talking about? (laughs) Anybody feel strongly
5: about this? I think part of it is just a joke and a catchphrase. I don't know. (laughs) It's the way I took it. I mean, I met Johan at uh, at VMworld this year, and he's got t-shirts made up for it, and he just came out with a book. I think part of that particular saying is just kind of a catchphrase.
0: Perhaps maybe more more people more enterprises will adopt it. I know we use it for our call centers for our um, our uh, what do you call the remote workforce? We have agents that work from home, uh, and we present them this virtual desktop inside of a Windows to go Windows to go stick. So I get your point written when you're saying that there's certain applications that don't work we can't put our via OneX soft phone inside vdi because of the we'll just get a lot of choppiness we were getting exactly. issues uh, so we would we have to render that within that to, to uh, the to go stick the windows to go stick so I, I feel you i um hopefully i mean what i think that means that you're the vdi is maybe more people adapted or maybe being where it comes out with more functionality i mean who knows But uh, to me, yeah, it's just, it's a catchphrase. I
3: mean, there, there was, there was some good, if you go back and listen to the last Virtually Speaking podcast, Brian Madden and Johan were on there together, kind of like debating each other live, which was a really interesting conversation. So, you know, if, if this is intriguing to you, go back and listen to the, to the number one virtualization podcast. We're number two, but. (laughs) (laughs) We are. (laughs) I'm I'm claiming the number two spot. I'll give them the number one spot. Nice.
5: Well, they are fans, right? Hey, Pete. <laughs> hey, John.
3: Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's mo- let's move out of this. Um. So, back to uh, the airing of grievances. So, in terms of the show in general, um. Is, like, if, if you guys are hearing us talk to somebody, have there, has, has there ever been a question that pops into your head? That, like, oh, they should ask this. Um, you know, like or if, even if it's something we should ask every guest. Um, you know, do you guys have stuff, like, if you're, you know, in an interview and somebody's asked you this, or you've heard somebody else ask it, I mean, is there kind of a go-to question that you are always looking for an answer to? So I'm going to go to all of you on this. So Donnie, I'm going to pick you first because you're the top of the list.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if I could take a page from the like the Geek Whispers podcast, one thing that I always liked that they asked, um, uh, they would always ask what not to do when they were talking about a specific topic. You know, so many people talk about best practices and, you know, uh, how a platform works and what you should do with it. Or, you know, if it's on the soft skill side, like, you know, the do's rather than focusing on. uh, the negatives. So I guess I
0: can, I can leave you with that, you know,
3: I'll take it. Gonzo.
0: I would say like, if any were like, if migration projects, if anybody's migrated to a point from data center, a to data center, B how do you do it with documentation? How, How do you document all that? What are your tips and tricks you can kind of give us to document that? You do you use Visio? Is there a lot of spreadsheets? Because I'm a visual guy, and most people tend to be the visual learners. You, it's great when you speak about it, but if you have a high level depiction of what's going on, it, I mean, it speaks
3: wonders. Do, do you do you not enjoy doing documentation? I do not enjoy. I enjoy, and that's video. what I do. I hate I, that's writing my documentation.
1: Day so I do documentation. much.
3: And <laughs> my
0: mind. But it's a,
1: it, yeah,
0: I'm sorry. It, it, it's a necessary evil. I get it. I, I do it for a living. I don't like it.
3: I but, I see it as a as, yeah. as not even necessary. And quite frankly, I mean, if <laughs> if, if I'm on a pro- if I'm starting a project for somebody and they're they have something halfway built already, I'm not going to ask for a document that somebody might have written that might be halfway accurate. I'm going to go look in the environment and actually see how it's set up. Well, there you go. That's but you the documentation document
0: that. to me. That's right. You take your screenshots. Like This is you know, what I see and then document from from where you take over. I,
3: I'm not, not going to enter somebody's environment and have them give me a go book and I'm going to sit down and page through this thing in a PDF or whatever. <laughs> that to me is just a waste of time. I'll, I, I will look in, at, at it live and see what it looks like. I, that's my documentation rant. End rant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think most people would agree with you.
3: May
6: yeah. I hate computer. documentation, but like you said, necessary evil. I mean, I think also, you know, you have to consider the the audience that are, is going to be looking at your documentation as well. I mean, you know, a VP is probably not going to look at, you know, a very like deep technical, like, you know, layer two, layer three, like networking graph, you know, they want to see traffic flow. You know, what does it look like when traffic egresses the site, something, you know, simple 10,000 right. foot mm-hmm. you know, or process documentation where, you know, if you are, the SME for a technology, you know, the ins and outs of how something works, you know, maybe everyone on your team doesn't know that. So you document a process of, you know, how to spin up a new NFS volume or, you know, how to deploy a VM that uh, is, you know, confines to your uh, deployment procedures, that sort of thing. Right.
0: And, and I would say uh, when you're doing that documentation, if you just document that one task, don't piggyback on top of it. Yes, there is prerequisites to it. Just name those out, bullet bullet points it's fine because i know when i've read documentation and sometimes there's just it's just too much it's like what are you trying to say and you lose me in addition to that also is when they don't define their acronyms they just throw this <laughs> <acronyms. laughs> The and reader knows them and they don't i mean just do a, an acronym list really quick
3: define it and then we're good that, that's my rant on all right the- thank <laughs> you <laughs> nate what questions should we ask <laughs>
7: Well, I hate to say it, but uh, I'm a little bit of a standards guy. So um, I've been on my own internal tie rate since I've been at VMware because when I first came there, I was like, well, what am I supposed to be doing? You know, we've got the Google app suite, we've got Office 365, we've got people saving files and Horizon files, we've got people saving files and you know, Dropbox and box.net and OneDrive and Google drive. So th- there was never really any standards when I came there. Um, and it was hard because before coming to VMware, I worked at Coles. I think, if I, I, some of you know, but that's where I came from before coming to VMware and Coles was a very, uh, standards driven kind of lean organization. And they had to be because they, they moved a hundred miles an hour all the time. Um, very big, um, ITSM shop. So everything had to be documented with defined standards based off of kind of lean methodologies. And the reason being is, you know, if they decided to come back in someday and say, Hey, we're going to switch our, our, our level one, level two support teams to be, um, a different managed solutions provider. And they didn't have all their ducks in a row from a documentation and standards point of view. Uh, it would, it was, uh, it was a disaster. I'll put it that way. So Coming to coming to VMware and 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 not having standards was a big shift, honestly, for me. And I was surprised that we w- we didn't have more of a standardized approach. So my my ask to you would be, any one of your guests that comes on, I would ask them what they do from a a standards point of view to be able to provide standardized uh, methodologies, processes, procedures for any. Uh, anything that they're doing, because I think if you, if you've got 10 different people doing things, 10 different ways, who's right. So I'm going to leave it at that.
3: (laughs) All right. And the Tonys are multiplying. So if you're watching (laughs) the video later, you're not seeing double. Yeah. We now have
5: a
2: clone. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Is that your mini me? (laughs) I think we need Reeves to sing the uh, Brady Bunch
3: theme song again. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do you standardize processes or information? Or how, how would you rephrase that into a single question, Nate?
7: Uh, how, how do you um, define standard processes and methodologies that allow, you know, you as a technologist or you as a speaker to be more efficient or effective? Put it something like that.
4: All right.
3: I'm going to go back and look well, that later
4: but if i can add to it and i agree with the points that everyone made how do you enforce it to streamline the process because i don't want to get into the you know whatever you want to call it that's been a challenge where i am is sure you can document it from now to the end of time but are you going to follow those processes Um, are you going to be held accountable for those processes and if there are changes made are you going to share those changes with everybody
3: yeah Cool. Matt, what is your what? What should we be asking people?
1: It's more of a soft question. Um, t- if the time would allow, to the presenter, how did you get where you're at, and what would you change?
3: And I, I, I feel like we do try to ask, get her in a way to get there with some people. But that's like, that is good. Um, because I mean, yeah, yeah that's try to get background and yeah, it came. But that, TV. but at the same time i think what what you're going at matt is a little bit more nuanced where it's sort of like what do you see as the steps of you know like for nate you know he went from kohl's to vmware but it wasn't i'm sure it wasn't that easy so you know it you know at the end of the day it's a career and it takes a lifetime but
1: as a listener it's always interesting to hear other people's stories it's other right. interesting to hear other right. p- person's career developments and the choices that they've made things that they may reflect back on and may have made differently right
3: i like it al what what should we be asking people
4: um i like matt's point if, if you had something that you can change looking back what would it be uh, how would you improve it and uh, what methods or resources did you use to get you to the point where you are now But um, speaking on behalf of, I guess, the community or being a part of the community, for me personally, I'm sure others feel the same way. Uh, It's definitely been a life changer for me. It's been very positive. It's nice to have people that you can be upfront with and ask them open-ended questions and not feel like it's going to, for lack of a better way of putting it, bite, bite you in the ass down the road.
3: Joe, I got lost there for a second. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What should we be asking people? (laughs)
2: Um, So I like the path that Matt and Al are going down. Um, I definitely like the, you know, trying to help others kind of shortcut a little bit in their career. Like what are the, what are the getting started resources that are, you know, what people followed and, and if somebody's trying to catch up on a technology that they're not currently ingrained in, you know, What's even the next step? like what what is the thing that's coming down the pipeline that they should really start learning now? You know, because even if you were to tell somebody, you know, hey, go look at NSX, if somebody deep dives into NSX v without even having the suspicion that nsXT is what's going to be the platform going forward, you know that that might be something that doesn't necessarily help them, you know, whereas if they were studying both at the same time, they would kind of be prepared for that switch when it comes. Um, and then just, I'm not convinced of that, by the way. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We keep hearing it. We keep hearing it. I've, I've heard quite a few people that have told us that as soon as feature parody, there is it's, you know, it's going to be T all the way.
3: Yeah. We'll see about that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) anyways, anyways, uh, sorry. Yeah. And then the other thing, just because, you know, yeah, kind of kind of to put people on the spot, I always like asking the question uh, similar to uh, what Amy Lewis asks whenever she does her uh, her confessions. Um, It's the yeah, like, what's the biggest thing you screwed up in your career that you got away with?
3: Oh, that's a good one. Nice. I thought you were going to ask, what was your software defined moment? Oh, no,
2: no, no. No, No, I flat out put you on the spot. I'll say, what's what was your biggest screw up that you
0: got away with? Hopefully, they're not working there anymore.
3: Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. You guys probably saw this coming, but Joe, what was the biggest screw-up that you got away with? <laughs> Honestly, mine
2: Mine was a fun one. Uh, it was actually when I was working at the uh, at the hospital here locally. I'd been on staff for maybe about a, a week, maybe two weeks, and uh, we did an upgrade over the lunch period where we were swapping out a bunch of network gear and, uh, the hospital was getting acquired into HCA. So we had massive upgrades to, to go from this small, you know, physician owned practice to being part of this massive conglomerate. And, uh, we were swapping out network gear during lunch and network guy told me, okay, we're good to go start moving all the cables. We started taking everything down. Next thing you know, like somebody's beating on the, the door in the hallway to the data center. And uh, I walked over to the door and it was the lead cardiologist of the practice. And he was just sitting there telling me like, Hey, you know, everything just went down. I'm like, what are you talking about? So it's, yeah, you know, I was in my office and uh, I was just watching the scores on ESPN. I know I shouldn't have been doing it. You guys told me not to. And like suddenly like my computer just went dead and I had no access to anything. So I just kind of told the guy, I was like, look, all right, man, here's your one time free pass. Cause I'm the new guy. You know, I don't know if you've been a problem in the past or not, but, just know we're always watching. And I went back and <laughs> had like a dozen messages from the network guy where he told me we were totally working on the wrong stack and he'd give me the wrong information. Oh. So yeah, we, we took down the entire office Oops. and all the thin clients during lunch, but yeah, just, you know, decided to try and own it and tell the guy like, well, Hey, you admitted that you were doing something you weren't supposed to. So yeah, we're always watching you. So
0: just be aware that's, next time. That's yeah. classic. Hey, That was fun. Like how you shifted that blame. ESPN <laughs> took us took you down exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a quick way to think on your toes, though.
3: So. No kidding. That's good, um, Donnie. What shouldn't we do? <laughs> That's a great question, actually.
6: Um, <laughs> I'd say, you know, if anything, it's it's a really minor point for me, but it, it seems like you know, occasionally the. Um, you know the topics start to to drift a little bit um you know and uh once you rein them back in it's good but uh some of them I think you know maybe rein them back in a little quicker
5: some you know, people like to talk and it's difficult to rein them back yeah, in no, yeah. no, yeah.
6: we have <laughs> discovered is someone that is not a podcast host so I don't I definitely don't know the struggles that you guys go through when it comes to you we know try trying
5: not to, to be rude about it but Right, it's, it's hard that's, it's hard yeah so
3: I actually because of some work I did for a nonprofit years and years ago I'm connected to one of the local news anchors in, at channel 15 in Madison um, this guy named John super great guy um, I mean he's in, he's interviewed presidents he's interviewed everybody and so after Tony and I did an episode with a VMware employee who shall not be named who has the gift of gab, <laughs> we ran into this where we just couldn't get him to stop in the in the episode, and I I sent this I sent this news anchor guy and, and, and a question on Facebook. I'm like, John, you got to oh. help me. How do you cut off somebody when they're being long winded? And he actually wrote me back this like really long thoughtful response, and I oh. might have to share it in the notes of this episode. It's, but I mean, basically, he's just like, you just got to kind of you know try to be nice about it, but at the same time. Yeah, you're 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 as the interviewer you're in control or trying to be and you have to kind of know when they're getting off into the weeds and try to guide them back in and it's it's an art form and i i you know doing this now for over a year my hat's off to anybody who interviews people for a profession because dang it's hard because people like to talk
6: well and it's it's tough too i think when you know you don't want to stifle the the passion that someone has for a given topic. So if you can tell that someone is very invested, you know, personally or professionally right. in whatever they're talking about, it's hard to want to just be like, all right, cool. Let's move on to something else when they're clearly, right. you know, passionately well, and, about it,
3: and it's difficult doing it over this medium too, because it's the internet. And so like, I've got to like jump in on top of you, but just to get you to stop, I can't like, you know, put my hand on your shoulder and say, Hey, I need to say something. Just mute them. Yeah. You do, but
7: <laughs> you're get you're gonna have to use um, visual visual objects, right? So you're gonna have to have like a yield or the stop sign and a go sign, <laughs> right? So yeah. So if you have somebody that's going at least at least through the video chat here, right? You know, you can use up the stop sign or oh, or right put off. up a timer, you know, like
3: <laughs> not, right. Okay? Well, whatever. Yeah. It's, it, we're, we're learning. I mean, that's the biggest thing Tony and I have gained out of all of this is how to actually talk to people and get meaningful information out of them. Especially when we're dealing with vendors who are trying to pitch stuff. They get, it's so easy for them to just slip into their pitch. And that mm-hmm. that I feel like I'm getting better at bumping people out of their marketing speak. But, you know, it just
6: takes well, time. That, and that's kind of that's the flip side of it for me is that like, you know, the reason that I keep coming back to the podcast and I keep listening to it on my commutes and I keep listening to it at work is because it's not scripted. It's not, you know, it is not hundred percent a sales pitch. It's unscripted. It's real people yeah. having real communicate, you know, real conversations, you know? And, and so that I think is kind of the other side of the same coin when it comes to letting people speak passionately for longer periods of time is that, you know, it's tough to have one without the other.
5: And sometimes well, you get really good nuggets in there that you don't want to interrupt. Right. Uh, sometimes some of that stuff just kind of happens organically and we let them have a little bit of Liberty, but yeah. And some people get long winded. We have to rein them back in.
4: But, be, yeah. but being honest, but being honest should be respected. I think most of us would agree with that. So, you know, when Britain kind of stood up and said, I don't know about NSX, you know, T that's fine. I didn't take it one way or the other. I don't think Joe did either. It's just being honest, telling me, <laughs> how he feels and we're open to a conversation about it.
5: Oh, I'm sure Joe took offense immediately.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, always. Yeah.
4: Yeah, you it's know.
3: okay. So, well, it, I think it helps that Tony and I have an almost 25-year history with each other. Is that how long it's been? I don't even remember anymore. Is Tony that yeah. old? Yeah, it was like <laughs> 18, It's Tony. Uh, it, it's it, Tony's wow. a baby face. Yeah.
4: Hey, I' kissing, got up, kissing up to the host <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, so that helps but you know Tony is there anything I could do better Besides shutting up once in a while Um, I think honestly
5: you and I could do a better job of some pre-show prep I know you know we're cool. both busy we both have a couple of kids but if we could spend just a little bit more time going over some of the things that we're going to do and as far as like an outline I think that would help absolutely Um, there's been a couple episodes where you've randomly tony do this and i'm like
2: (laughs) what (laughs) what am i doing here (laughs) dance tony dance
3: (laughs) pretty much (laughs) well you know (laughs) it's worked out so far (laughs) yeah i mean yeah no i agree with that
4: that piggybacks on what donnie said that's that's the appeal to this podcast it works well yeah
5: well i think like britain said i You know, long history of Britain being one of my best friends. I mean, we've hung out for years in person. We live a couple hours apart now, but I think that shows through in the podcast. We have a a, a really good rapport with each other and
3: each other well. Yeah, like I I knew you when you were when you had and were really excited about a Geo Metro with an eight ball on the shifter
5: that thing was awesome dude it got so much it got good gas miles but yet it was still fast because it was so
3: light the three-cylinder Geo Metro, and my
5: dad always used to joke that i had like big stereo aspirations in there so i had like this massive subway. oh box yeah you it. did he always used to joke that that thing pushed me down the road, not the three-cylinder gerbil yeah. engine that I have.
3: There's the sub There's, in the back. Yeah. The, sub, the sub was
6: heavier than your car? Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I drove a 1986 uh, Sky Blue Dodge Omni for a while, so I, I, know what, I know where you're coming from.
7: Nice. Yeah, and
5: there was a couple times where my Geo was picked up and turned around in between two cars, so I couldn't leave at high school. Oh, yeah. But... Definitely the joke was on times. them. The joke was on them because one of the cars left, and I was able to just back out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's a good time. All right, what else we got for him, Britain? Um, I don't know, man. I mean, we're we're kind of running close to time here, so. that's sort of the one thing that just... I've never really, like, picked a time randomly to say this is how long an episode should be. I generally just go until we, you know, run the well dry. And so, I mean, if people think it's too long, or we're not long enough, you know, I don't... I'm I'm not... I really... The honest answer to that is I just go as long as I feel is within reason um, for the given conversation. So... You know, yeah, I try I not to go over an hour and a half, but
5: I think our shortest one was like an hour but it was a good hour
3: right as long as there's some value in there, I'm okay with it yeah do you any do you guys have any direct questions for Tony or I? Raise your hand if you're sure
7: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <sighs> You've probably answered this before, but why did you decide to start the podcast?
3: Okay, so I was touched on it a little bit. Yeah, we've we've I've I've talked about it at least once, but um, I was working at a customer's office at like ten to eleven thirty or some crazy one late crazy night, and you know I've been trying to expand the business and trying to gain clients and trying to gain you know. Marketability and exposure. Um, and there's just not a lot of great ways to do that when you're a solo entrepreneur. Um, so I've been, you know, for years I've been taking in business content and how to run a business and doing marketing and doing all this kind of stuff. Um, and I stumbled across this insane guy from New Jersey called Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and he is famous for taking his parents' wine store in New Jersey and doing Google AdWords and blowing it up from like a couple hundred thousand dollars to a year to a $30 million a year business. Um, and he now runs this huge online social media ad agency um, with like 700 employees. And the guy's just, he's, he, his aspiration is to someday buy the New York Jets. And I'm pretty sure he will do it. Um, and he's just a crazy guy. Um, and his basic thesis is, if you are anybody today not even necessarily wanting to start a business you need to have a presence online somehow you either if you can write you should have a blog or twitter if you can talk do a podcast if you're good if you're good looking he's he's really big yeah. on this if you're good looking you should have an instagram account and do video on youtube because if, if you're an attractive person it just wins in video
6: <laughs>
3: so so he's ooh, already about that. yeah <laughs> And so so his kind of basic thesis is like just get your you know just start doing th- something get it out there is one of his sort of catchphrases is document don't create things so cuz he's just like how cool would it be if Jeff Bezos back in the day of starting amazon.com had somebody following around with a camera and you could see his day-to-day activities as he's founding amazon.com that would be amazing music to, to go back and watch now so so that's sort of his thing is like, if, if you have any sort of aspiration of being anybody, just do it. Just start creating stuff. Put it out there. Be, just do it. Um, like he started doing videos on YouTube when it first launched and it was just him sitting in his office with a camcorder on the other side and the audio was horrible and it was nasty. Um, and and I and I listened to this podcast episode that he did talking about this and I, I pulled out my phone and I texted telling him like, and I'd been thinking about it for a while, but I heard this kind of prompting. And I'm just like, Tony, I, I want to start a podcast. Will you do it with me? And Tony's general answer was. <laughs> I think it was like, uh, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I thought I told you yes right away. I don't know. I'd have to dig back in my iMessage history to see if it's still there. But it might be. <laughs>
5: I think a lot of it when you approached me about it was I was already getting more involved in the community. I was already a V expert yeah. at the time. I was already traveling to do VMUG talks out of state. And I was just like, why not? It's one more way to get exposure. I was certainly nervous about it. And I'm like, yeah. what are we going to do in terms of value add?
3: But yeah, because like I, I said see. at the beginning, we're just two schmucks from Wisconsin. Who's going to want to listen to right, us. Right? So, so that's sort of the general genesis of it. Um, and I, and I just, you know, like I, I've wa- slowly watched this thing grow over the last year. We've been doing it for just over a year. Um, and I, th- I think based on the rough, poor analytics that I have, because um, this thing's all run off of a WordPress engine, um, we have about between 90 and 100 subscribers on the audio feed. Um, and so, because every time I publish an episode, there's this huge spike of downloads, and that's about where the in the first week is, and then it starts to trail down and I mean- what, what's amazing to me and then, well, one reason why we're having him back our most popular episode is the one we did with Chris Williams, where he went off on a w s that that one is by far the most popular one, probably because he's hilarious wrong on
5: that. One. Yeah, he's but, a super funny guy, and the knowledge bombs yeah. he was dropping, crazy.
2: So you need to get him another proxy for the whiteboard, though, man. Because gosh, that handwriting! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. I love you, buddy. I'd give you yeah. a high five, but I can't reach. So
3: <laughs> he's too tall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Any other questions? I, I, I will give two more questions, and then we'll finish to anybody
2: i've got one if uh, if if nobody else wants to go so good sure so britain why don't you talk more in person man because i met you at VMWorld this year and i think you said maybe like four words over the span of about three
3: days because i hate people I've, joe i've been trying <laughs> to try him out of his shell for the last years no he's doing I, much I, as i have said um I just generally... I'm a very to-myself kind of guy. Like, right here, this quote-unquote podcast studio that I'm sitting in in my basement is like my work-at-home office. It's in the basement. If I was down here, you know, three days out of five per week and never actually interacted with another human being in person, I'd be just fine. Um, I am am not a people person. And it's just not in my nature. And... Try as as much as Tony and Ariel Sanchez will, they will not change that about me. So, so, how,
4: did, so how did you handle the NSX roving reporting reporter duty? Because you did that well.
1: I have no idea, Al. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll i mean, disagree I with that. Props, I think sorry. you're really good at. It. Yes, I think that you yeah. there, there's a part of you that that enjoys a social interaction because you're so good at it. No, you it's, have it, a natural passion for it.
3: well it's probably genetic because my father's an evangelical pastor so there's probably that but so it's it's one of these things of i can do it but oh man does it exhaust me it's it's really hard it's it's hard it's super hard work for me to like be engaging with people and actually pretend to be interested in what they're talking to me about and (laughs) you know I apologize, I'm just, apologize. I'm just door being door. honest but I mean <laughs> you know, a lot of people want to talk to you about stuff, Like, and there, this this past VMworld was weird, because like I'm walking down the halls and all of a sudden people are like oh hey, it's you and I'm just like, that's never happened before Whose phone is ringing?
7: <laughs> but, that's me, I can't mute me
3: Do you have a real phone? <laughs> Holy cow
7: You have a home phone? I do. Wow. Yes. yes. Don't even go there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, so then in a nutshell, yeah, that's, Joe, that's the answer is I just, I, I like doing this because it's once a month and, you know, and I don't have to like, you know, go see people to do it. Um, you know, well, I think uh, you're
4: in your comfort zone, as you mentioned, you're right. You're surrounded.
3: Yeah. And it's like, I can, when I'm done, I can publish this thing, go upstairs and tuck my kids in, you know, it's it's just life and i i i appreciate that you guys think i do a good job at this um the the vm world nsx roman reporter thing that just kind of came out of nowhere um you know a- amy lewis and katie holmes from the nsx marketing team god bless them they asked me to do it and just hoped that i could um and i just kind of pulled a rabbit out of a hat with that one so i don't know fingers crossed they'll ask me back next year but we'll see I think we're going to have to print out new stickers for this year to just
2: hand out to everybody of like, if you see this guy in the hallway, just stop him and talk to him.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. I'm going to put on a Joe Hughes mask. (laughs) All right. One more question for the peanut gallery, and then we will wrap it up. I have one unless anyone else
6: wants to go. Uh, What have you guys committed to mastering in 2019?
3: Oh, that's too broad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Brain, I know yours. Public communication. Is the, uh, yeah. Does
4: winning the lottery, Does winning the Powerball count?
3: <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. Tony, go ahead. Uh,
5: I that was actually one of the topics. I I wouldn't say my goal is to master this, but my goal is to learn a lot more about it and become at least proficient in. Uh, that would be. You know Docker and containers. Um, it's it's been something that actually Donnie and I have been working on over the past I don't know, few weeks. We worked over a f- for a few weeks um, towards the beginning of my leave, um, getting some containers up. Uh, it's always kind of been a mystery to me. I'm so used to VMs and and that architecture, and just I've enjoyed uh, learning more about it, and uh, I'd like to do more and spin some more stuff up and. Um, I, I'd like to go a little bit more in depth too. I'd like to learn uh, about orchestration with Kubernetes and some of the other more in depth things once I understand uh, some of more of the basics. So I think that's probably, that's probably my biggest thing. I'd also would like to um, have some time to delve into the AWS certificate program that I started a year and a half ago. Um, but yeah, life is busy. We all know
3: that, especially if you have kids, so
6: no doubt about that
3: yeah if i guess if i had to pick any one thing that i want to try to focus on in 2019 i mean for me unfortunately i say unfortunately but unfortunately it has to be nsxt um i mean i spent the better part of a year and a half getting all my v stuff done and then their vmware throws me under the bus with this t thing so (laughs) i don't know I, i'm going do de- i'm gonna do more with it um one of our upcoming guests this is actually a good segue um I found them after vMworld but there's a c- company a small startup out there called rest nsx these guys are doing amazing things holy cow um, and part of it is they have w- migration apis built for moving stuff from v to t and it's just really really cool um I, want to start, I wanted to start building stuff out in T in the lab, but then my um, my lab part partially died, so I had to rebuild everything <laughs> from scratch, and I didn't have a backup. You know, five, yeah. But oh well. Shame on you. Yeah, I at least had my domain controller replicated to my cloud host, so I didn't lose everything.
1: But... Comment Joe Use. What's that? I said comment Joe Use. <laughs> uh, it's fine. I'll give him grief later. I'm a Veeam <laughs> partner too. <laughs>
7: yeah, <nice. laughs> Sounds like that's a shout-out for a nice data protection
3: solution there. Yeah. Yeah. Know, it's it's it. just a matter of but no, that's where I say it's a lab, it's meant to break. So But you know, I believe you had some production data in there too, didn't you? Oh probably. I had I had I, I think I lost about thirty virtual machines that I'm not getting back. So ouch. Yeah. <laughs> but you know part of that was my horizon build for my lab and there's a whole bunch of junk that yeah it's not coming back but oh well okay guys um thank you thank you thank you so much first of all for listening um Mm -hmm. i mean when tony and i did this we we thought you know maybe some of our family members might listen and go to sleep to this um (laughs) unfortunately tony and i have both lost our mothers to cancer so we can't count on our moms to listen to this um so you know so you guys are filling in for our moms so thanks um you appreciate it and and yeah it's just this has been a really fun journey and i'm sure i would like to probably bring a lot of you guys back individually so we can go more in depth with you guys on stuff that you're interested in but that's probably going to be 2020 to be honest with you. so. (laughs) Tony, anything else you want to add?
5: No, I just uh, echo the thoughts that, uh, that Brent just expressed. We appreciate you guys listening. We didn't think when we started this, we would have any listeners. Um, We were just doing it just to get something out there and really appreciate um, all of the new friends that we made. Um, And it's been nice meeting a lot of you guys out at VMworld and other events. So, uh, we just really appreciate it and hope you're getting something out of it and feel free to shoot us a, a direct message on Twitter or something in the future. If you have questions or suggestions for the show, um, we're always open to feedback and we're trying to make the show better. So right. uh, we appreciate it.
3: Yeah. So thanks guys. Um, I'm going to play us out and we will close up the recording.
4: Thanks everyone. Thanks. Have a good night all. Thanks guys.
3: Again, this has been GigaCast episode 24 for December 9th, 2018. Thank you again to Donnie, Nate, Matt, Al, Joe, Tony G in Denver. And my illustrious co-host, Mr. Tony Reeves. Thank you, sir. Uh, again, promo for our next episode is we're going to be talking VMware Cloud Foundation with the Cloud Foundation crew, either my brother and Mr. Kevin T. Beer, or just my brother. We'll see if Kevin wants to join or not. And then after that, uh, we'll see what happens in February, but it's going to be an exciting year. We've got a lot of stuff coming. I think I'm really excited about it. It's going to be cool. And I think after this kind of, you know, important listener session, feedback session, um, I think it's just going to get better. So thanks for listening, everybody. We will talk to you later.